will be talking about Sarah Boone, who was accused of killing her boyfriend, Jorge Torres Jr. And you may be familiar with this case. It kind of blew up for a little bit on um, social media, but it's also known as the suitcase murder, as Sarah allegedly put or left Jorge in a suitcase and he ultimately passed away. Sarah is charged with second-degree murder. With the trial set to start April 2023, we are going to be covering what we know and offer our opinions on this case. None of the discussion in this episode are based on final court findings and are purely our opinion. This episode is based on national news findings and arrest or court reports and records. Welcome to An Easy, a podcast hosted by Lexi and Cecilia. This podcast is a collection of research based on haunting and mysterious events that will leave you feeling genuinely uneasy. Discretion is advised. So at the time of the alleged crime, Sarah Boone was 42, living in Winter Park, Orange County, Florida, with her boyfriend, Jorge Torres Jr., who was also 42 at the time. Jorge was divorced with, and he had three kids, and he had a pretty unstable work history with a pretty light to moderate criminal background. But the couple themselves were far from perfect. Sarah herself is divorced, and there's actually a really deep history of domestic violence in the relationship as court documents detailed that Sarah has been charged with battery by strangulation in 2018. Jorge was also charged in this incident. According to the court documents, she told investigators that she was dragged upstairs by Jorge and kicked in the right eye after talking to a guy at a bar. So definitely not a good situation. Not a healthy relationship, it's seeming like from the start. No. And Jorge at the time told investigators that she had tried to strangle him and that if he did not kick her off of him, she would have made him incapacitated. In the affidavit, deputies say that they weren't able to tell who the primary aggressor was, so this incident in 2018 didn't result in any formal charges. There were other violent incidents that happened surrounding their relationship. Um, Jorge was charged with battery three times in 2019, and in September 2020, he was arrested after Sarah accused him of punching her in the left ear. According to the affidavit, there was a temporary injunction for protection in place at the time. So they definitely did not have a healthy, loving relationship at all times. These are these couples that you're like, just break up, like, please, for the benefit of everyone. Like, you're not a healthy relationship, and it's going to save some everyone so much heartache if you just, like, end things now, but right, they never seem to actually break up. Yeah, and I, like, I've never been in a situation that was like that, but I we've said before that being in relationships that involve domestic violence are often it's hard for the victim to leave but in this case it almost seems like this is a recurring cycle where they're kind of instigating each other to get involved with violent acts so both of them were almost the victims neighbors had even said that they had seen the police at 
their homes often and they would hear the couple fighting. Um, some people had said that they had spoken with Sarah and that normally she was very nice, but they would hear her yelling with Jorge at the house. So that's how loud it was that neighbors were um, hearing it. And they lived in kind of like a townhome style subdivision. On Monday, February 24th, 2020, Sarah Boone called her ex-husband at around 12.50 p.m. and he arrived at the home at about 10 minutes later. After advisement from her ex-husband, Sarah called 911 and this 911 call is honestly quite odd because right off the bat something seems super fishy with Sarah and when dispatchers ask her if she needs police or medical, her response is, my boyfriend is dead. It was very cold, very kind of disconnected and non-emotional. Yeah, it sounds very disassociated from like what most people would be in so much distraught if they're related to their boyfriend's death. But yeah, there was for her no to tears. also call her ex-husband. It's like, why are you bringing him into the mix? <laughs> I thought that was super weird Um, and when she's asked later on about why she called her ex-husband first she tells police that she was just really freaked out and that he lives right down the road and she didn't know what to do so she called her ex-husband but personally my like if something had happened to my significant other my first reaction would be to call the police so that's also just a fishy aspect of this entire thing. I do have part of the 911 call here for you that I want you guys to listen to just so you can kind of hear where I'm getting that non-emotional, disconnected feeling from. Now tell me exactly what happened there. Uh, my boyfriend and I were playing last night and mm-hmm. I put him in his case and we were playing. And okay. like kind of hide and seek kind of thing. So. I fell asleep and I woke up and he was dead in the suitcase. So I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. It's like he has like blood coming out of his mouth and I don't know if like he had like an aneurysm or like what happened. Right, okay, all right, okay. Listen, we're getting help out there too. Okay, is he hanging from somewhere or what, ma'am? No, I pulled him out of the suitcase. I tried giving him CPR. Okay, so he was in a suitcase? Yes, and I fell asleep. Okay, how old is the how old is the boyfriend, ma'am? Forty-two year old man. All right, listen to me. Okay, that that just that just need to confirm this. All right, I understand. I just need to confirm this. Is he is he awake at all? Is he conscious at all? No, he's purple. Is he, right? Is he breathing? No. So that's just a a snippet of what we have from that nine one one call. It's just like. She keeps trying to reiterate the fact that they were playing, and I think that's her just trying to make sure that she is seen seen as innocent in this situation. But I feel like that is all that I got from her is that they were playing, and he just wound up magically dead in a suitcase. Who plays hide and seek at forty two <laughs> years old? Also, you're not hiding and seeking if you know that he's in the suitcase, like. It's just weird, and it's like, oh, I fell asleep. You fell asleep knowing that your boyfriend was zipped up in a suitcase? Like, ma'am. Yeah, I wouldn't call that hide-and-seek or It's just really anything. weird. No, it is really weird. Yeah, and I mean, you hear on the call that she is reporting to EMS that 
Jorge is purple and he's not breathing and that she takes him out of the suitcase, tries to perform CPR. Um, And when police eventually arrive on the scene, the body cam footage is something super interesting to watch because Sarah is really calm at first. Like the police walks up to her and they're like, hey, do you live here? And she's like, yeah, I, um, I need to talk to my property manager, make sure they know what's going on. That's what she said to the police at first, which instead of being like, oh my gosh, my boyfriend, like he's, he's dead, like being upset about that, she was worried about making sure the property manager knew why there were so many police and EMS at, this, at her house. She wants to make sure she gets her safety deposit back. Yeah, it sounds like <laughs> it, honestly. Um, and ultimately, when the police tell her that she can't go back inside and they start asking her about Jorge, Sarah gets a little bit more on edge. So I have some of the body cam footage for you to listen to that I sourced from um, the Law and Crime Network. And you'll just hear that it kind of sounds a little bit fake to me, her way of being upset. What's going on? Sorry, I just got have... here, so fill me in. No problem. Like, yeah, he and I are putting a puzzle together. We've been doing some artwork right together. There. You are putting a puzzle together? Yes, we have a puzzle that we started in there. Okay. We've been doing art, trying to take stuff off the wall to, to make new art put up there. Like, having a good time with one another. But we're drinking. We had a bottle of wine last night. Okay. Wow. So then it's like, we decided to play hide and seek, right? Okay. So, he gets in the suitcase, okay? Who is this guy? That's my ex-husband. My former husband. How did he, he live here with you guys? No. I called him over here. Okay, okay. I didn't know what to do. Okay. I didn't know what to do. Okay. So then he came over here. Here, let's talk in private, okay? I called you guys. Mm-hmm. I tried giving you I, I, The problem is, is yeah. I fell asleep. I fell asleep. When did you do CPR? This morning. When I found Before him. Before you called? Yes! It's one o'clock right now. I tried... I was awake, but I actually got out of the bed at like 12.30ish, whatever. So I came downstairs, and I was like, oh, he's in the suitcase still. And that's when I found him, and I took him out, and I tried doing CPR, and then I called him, and then I called you guys. Did he get here before the fire department got here? Who? Your husband? Or yes. your ex-husband? Yes. Okay. Where did he live at? Uh, right down the street. Okay. So you were playing, and who zipped him up? In- I did, okay. but then I fell asleep. Okay, okay, stop. You're okay. I don't. I wasn't here. I'm just trying to figure out what happened. I fell asleep. So I don't know if he suffocated or like had an aneurysm or a heart attack or what. What kind of medical conditions does he have? None that I know of. Nothing that you know of. None that I know of. None. No. No. All we had was a bottle of wine. Literally, just a bottle of wine. So, you can definitely see that Sarah, or here, that Sarah gets a lot more distressed sounding and is really, really pushing the point that they had a good night, that they drank a bottle of wine, that they were doing art and a puzzle and they were playing the game of hide and seek and that she just went upstairs and fell asleep and realized in the morning that he was still in the suitcase. I think the police officer brings up two really good points during that conversation the first being, why is your ex-husband here? Why did right. you call him before you called 911? Right. Like, that's really suspicious, and that's what a lot of people do when they're trying to cover up the scene of the crime. And then the other being, okay, well, it's about 1 p.m. now. So if you went to sleep and he was in the suitcase, why did it take you until now, almost half a day later, to call 911? 
yeah the police officer's like basically saying like girl it's 1 p.m like why are you just now waking up and and we've all had those days where we don't get our bed for like a really long time like i feel you on that but i mean if i knew that my boyfriend was in a suitcase first i would probably unzip him slash why is he not like coming to bed with you that's what i'm saying like i would unzip him to be like okay come on like not okay i'm asleep by myself actually and i'm gonna zip you at like 1 p.m <laughs> yeah i think the police officer was definitely catching on that sarah was being super sketchy and at this point they're just as confused as we are because they just want to figure out what really happened because at the end of the day a 42 year old man is dead and not by normal circumstances he was trapped in a suitcase So the next day, police returned and ended up arresting Sarah for the murder of Jorge. And their investigation revealed some interesting discoveries. As they looked through Sarah's phone, they find a video that she took of Jorge in the suitcase. And that is literally not hide and seek. Like, no, it's not hide and seek. It is far from hide and seek because her comments were so far from playful and harmless behind the phone i have a clip for you from the video that i want you to hear i will say it's kind of alarming knowing what you do that these were some of jorge's last moments um but she was definitely definitely derogatory towards him and he's clearly saying to her sarah i cannot breathe so i'm gonna play that for you now for everything you've done to me for everything you've done to me Sarah. Fuck you. Sarah. Fuck you. Sarah. (laughs) Stupid. Sarah. That's my name. Don't wear it up. Sarah. I can't fucking breathe, babe. Seriously. Yeah, that's when you do when you choke me. Sarah. So... Definitely, like I said, that video is a little heavy to hear. Um, But Sarah definitely knew that he was still in the suitcase when she went to bed. I think it also shows in that video the toxic relationship that they had where it's that aggressive, violent, like physical banter between each other. And this is just what is now their normal. Right. And... Sarah allegedly told police that Jorge could have gotten out at any point because he had two fingers sticking out of the zipper at all times, but that's not pictured in the video that you just listened to. And when investigators asked her about that, they basically were like, look, I don't see where he could have, you know, gotten out. I don't see... um, Fingers poking through. I see no holes in the zipper or room for him to move around and try to get out. She, Her response to that was like, oh, it's just not pictured there in that video. It's just not there. But it, he did have two fingers. And um, Sarah makes it a point to say during investigations that she did not zip her boyfriend all the way up, even though the video makes it very clear that he's stuck and he needs help. 
Sarah has since been awaiting trial in the Orange County Jail, which was originally set to take place in January of this year, and it's been pushed to April of 2023. During her time in jail, she has gone through quite a laundry list of lawyers who she says was not her choice, and in October 2022, she wrote a letter to her lawyer um, that basically saying she was upset that he hadn't talked to her more since getting started on her case. Um, I read the whole letter. It's about three pages long. And to me, it sounds like she was just basically frustrated because at this point she'd been in jail for 32 months and she wants answers on her trial and the status of things. But she did write towards the end of the letter, quote, No too, I am patient, clearly after all the time already invested and still smiling and willing to go above and beyond whatever I slash we need to do to properly and truthfully convey my very convoluted, misunderstood side of everything, which I boldly told you in our meeting last month. I am dedicated, ready to start, overdue. So she very clearly, even in October, was itching to get ready. So I'm sure that this trial coming up in just a few weeks is going to be very interesting. Spending 30-some months, like especially like around the COVID timeframe, like a waiting trial, that's such a normal thing. It is a normal thing. It's very normal. And I think that's a little bit of a... Entitlement almost. Entitlement privilege thing coming from her. Um, in my opinion, is that she thinks that she deserves a speedier trial than others. But because of the pandemic, there were so many trials that just kept getting pushed back and back and back. So honestly, I'm not surprised that it's taken this long. But I will say that in January, her defense asked for more time. But also, if you fire all of your, like you fired your lawyers seven different times of course your new lawyer is going to need time to catch up yeah basically the defense was like hey i need more time to build this case um but they did state that they plan on using the battered spouse syndrome as their defense come court in april battered spouse syndrome is a form of ptsd rather than a mental illness and it was previously referred to as battered woman's syndrome and is a condition that is created by sustained physical emotional or sexual abuse from a partner and it results in a variety of physical and emotional symptoms so it's basically ptsd in the form of any kind of trauma that you're getting from domestic violence According to the Florida Bar, there are typically three phases in the cycle of abuse. Phase one being verbal abuse and minor battery incidents. And then phase two being acute battery incidents in which the spouse was severely beaten or abused. And then in phase three, there's displays of regretful and loving behavior, which just loops you back to phase one and it's an ongoing cycle. In a criminal case where the victim is accused of killing their spouse or abuser, um, the battered spouse syndrome is not always recognized as a proper defense because it's really difficult to prove if a spouse was abused um, because that doesn't necessarily imply that they will be acquitted of the criminal offense just because they were abused. If they weren't being abused at the time of the incident, you can't claim self self defense. 
So rather, this is more used as evidence. I think this trial could shape up to be pretty interesting. The trial is set to start on April 10th, and Sarah is facing second-degree murder. With her maintaining her innocence, it will be pretty interesting to see how her lawyers deliver their defense in the face of all the evidence against her. We will continue to cover the case here on Uneasy. Make sure to check out our social medias linked in the episode description for more timely updates. And stay tuned for a post-verdict special episode wherever you find your favorite podcast. Tune in next week as we discuss death row inmate Andre Thomas. He has been convicted of murder of his estranged wife, his four-year-old son, and her one-year-old daughter, saying that he heard voices telling him that he needed to kill them. He also took out his own eyeballs in two separate incidences. Listen wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Thank you.